0: So uh, this is the point of the service that we're going to open up the Bible together. Just before they do that, I want to share a a little story with you. Uh, A couple of years ago, I went on a mission trip to Sri Lanka uh, in 2011, and it was a great mission trip. I went to help at an orphanage, and then we ran a youth camp for a week as well. There was a team of about eight or nine of us, and my biggest fear when I went to Sri Lanka was uh, the food. It was the food, just in terms of not being used, to it, it was really like spicy curries, and uh, but I absolutely loved it. I loved the food. I loved uh, exploring new uh, dishes and learning about the culture, and it was a great couple of weeks away, although I missed our wedding anniversary, our second wedding anniversary, uh, but it was still okay, wasn't it? I remember being on pardon, oh, yeah, then I got ill, yeah, I forgot to mention that, I, got, I wasn't too well for one of the days, and then Mary got like a message saying I wasn't well, but nothing else, and then so she was panicking, anyway, that's nothing to do with the story. I got home from Sri Lanka two weeks later, and first thing, without even knowing what I did, I went to the shop and I bought myself a little snack, a little refreshment, and the two things that I ended up buying were a scotch pie and a bottle of iron brew, And I got back into the car, and James, who was leading the mission trip, said, Mate, do you realize what you've done there? That is like pure Scottishness. (laughs) The scotch pie and the the iron brew. I even say it really Scottish, don't I? The iron brew. It It was the truest sign of my Scottishness, of belonging to this great country, of my citizenship. This morning, we are continuing on our series called Storms and Ships so uh, we've been looking at different pieces of the ship we can hold on to when storms come so it's all based on a passage in Acts when Paul was shipwrecked and uh, it speaks about swim to shore if you can but if not hold on to a piece of the ship so we have looked at worship we have looked at friendship and this morning I want to look at citizenship As followers of Jesus, as being hope-filled followers of Jesus, eternity is the destination for us if we know and love Jesus. And we need to remember where we belong and where we are headed. And when storms come, there's no denying that that can be a, a really difficult thing. I want to share this morning why remembering our citizenship is important. And ultimately, what I want to focus on this morning is the danger of compromise, if we forget. If we forget where we're headed, who we belong to, compromise can sneak in in our walks with Jesus. So I want to look at a passage in Revelation. So it's the last book in the Bible. And Revelation is a book of hope, but it's also a book of warning. It's written by John following a revelation from Jesus. And he records messages to seven specific churches. And this morning we're going to be looking at the letter to the church in Pergamum. So just to paint a little bit of a picture, Pergamum was built on a hill a 1,000 feet above the countryside. So it was built a 1,000 feet above the countryside, created a bit of a fortress. And today you would find its remains in Turkey, in modern-day Turkey. And it's, it was the center of Greek culture and education. It was also the center of four cults. And it was, it was known, Pergamum was really known for its idol worship. And the mints as well, very good. This morning we are looking, uh, we're going to be looking at chapter 2 and verse 12 to 17. And it'll be up on the screen as well. Why don't we pray before we do that? Lord, this morning we pray amongst us for the excited, for the fed up, for the expectant, for the searching, for the visiting, for the disappointed... For those of us that are tired, for those of us that are feeling really hopeful, for those of us that are here this morning feeling really hopeless, I pray that as we delve into your word, Lord, that it will be like just fresh water, it will be like just a freshness to reminding ourselves of who you are. you come and fill us up, Lord? Will you change us, Lord? In Jesus' name. Amen. So chapter 2, verse 12. To the angel of the church in Pergamum write, these are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, not even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city, where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. Likewise, you you also have those who hold to the teachings of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and you will fight against them with the sword of my mouth." Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give that person a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to the one who receives it. Amen. So, Pergamum was the city, in verse 13, we read, where Satan has his throne. That's a bit of a a tough gig, isn't it? That's a bit of a Bit of an opening, isn't it? It's, it really paints a picture of where that place is at. But the church refused to give in, even when one of its members was killed. It was not an easy place to be a Christian, and uh, in that place, you have to, you had to remember your citizenship. You had to remember where you were from, where you were headed. I love uh, in Philippians three seventeen to twenty. Paul writes these words, stick with me friends, keep track of those you see running with this same course, headed for this same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals and trying to get you to go along with them. I've warned you of them many times, sadly I'm having to do it again. All they want is easy street, they hate Christ's cross but easy street is a dead-end street. Those who live there make their beliefs their God's all they can think of is their appetites. But there is far more to life for us. We are citizens of high heaven. We're waiting the arrival of the Savior, the Master, Jesus Christ, who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like his own. He'll make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which he is putting everything as it should be under and around him. We are citizens of heaven. And if we don't grasp that if we don't walk in that truth compromise can play a really big part. Now let me start by saying compromise can be a really good thing. Firstly by opening. For example, in the day to day and often in our friendships, our marriages, compromise plays a part. For example, when we go to the cinema and I uh, have to choose we have to choose a film and it's either something like I don't know some I'm ch- Bridget Jones. we have never seen that in the cinema. I'm just making up. Or the latest Marvel movie. We have to come to some sort of compromise. What is it we're going to watch? Also, when choosing children's names, you maybe have to come to some sort of compromise. I wanted to call Joshua brave. (laughs) And I think in some way that was a real prophetic thing, because he is such a brave boy. But Mary was like, what is wrong with you? Take a seat. You were not calling him a brave. (laughs) Uh, What to buy for dinner. Where to go on holiday. Compromise can often be the glue that holds things together in friendships and in relationships. And also in business, it can be an important tool. It can help with growth and partnership of, of new businesses or relationships with other businesses. But it can also be a really dangerous path in business for a number of reasons. I want you to imagine for a second that instead of us coming to plant Inverness Vineyard Church, I want you to imagine that we started a business, that Mary and I started a business. And if I wanted to start any business, it would be a fast food chain. There's no denying. It would be a fast food chain. And what I would call it would be McUrkers. That's what I would call it. So I want you to imagine I've started this business called McUrkers. And we would have burgers like the Big T. That's what I'd call uh, the big burger. And it would be burgers from 9 a.m., none of this breakfast malarkey menu. We'd have the burgers from 9 a.m. We'd do away with the breakfast menu. And my values would be, we'd source local produce. We'd have flame-grilled burgers. We'd give a portion of our money to charitable causes. We would employ those that society views as the unemployable, would say, come and get a job. And we'd bless the community. We'd try and be a blessing to the community. And after the initial buzz and the excitement of starting this business, there's been a tough few months. So people, uh, some competitors have started and uh, started up businesses, and people are going there instead. Compromise can be dangerous for this business. When struggling for money, I miss some of the charitable giving. I miss some of it because money's a bit tight, and I think, oh, I'm not sure we can give to that thing in the city anymore. Or I employ a gentleman without putting him on, on the payroll because I don't quite have enough money for the tax, but I'm still employing people that no one else would employ. Uh, or the fire testing, the safety of the building, I've missed a few months. So just It's been too busy. There's been other things in my mind. Or we plan to run a community fund day and we've got somebody in who isn't really skilled for the job and doesn't do as good a job as what we imagined, but we still managed to get it done. It was still a community day. McUrkerts are kind of doing it, aren't they? They're kind of there. Some good stuff is ticking along, but when the storm comes, they're missing out. When it gets a wee bit tough, there's things they're maybe falling back on, they're maybe not doing as well. Still running community events, still employing people that maybe no one else would, still giving some money to charity, still have a fire alarm. (laughs) But compromise was chipping away at the heart off the business and would destroy it. Now, sadly, that's when Mick Urquhart's comes to an end. Uh, maybe one day, Lord, you, you maybe want us to do that, but that was just for illustrative purposes. Now, I'm sure a lot of us can relate to Mick Urquhart's and that, that business in our walks with God or in general. When the storms come, it's our faith that maybe blows away easier than everything else. At the beginning, compromise can be very subtle. It can be like a thief in the night And it's often very subtle opposition. It's one of the enemy's most cunning weapons, often in tough seasons. Why is it so destructive? Because often we don't recognize it. We make little decisions that form a bigger step away from all that God has for us until we find ourselves losing who we're really meant to be, who God intends us to be. We must, we must remember this piece called citizenship, not to compromise where we are from and the people that we are called to be and who we have on our side. Rick Warren, a famous American pastor, says this, you will not be in heaven two seconds before you cry out, why did I place so much importance on things that were so temporary? What was I thinking? Why did I waste so much time, energy, and concern on what wasn't going to last When life gets tough, when you're overwhelmed with doubt, or when you wonder if living for Christ is worth the effort, remember that you are not home yet. We are not home yet. At death, you won't leave home. You'll go home. Wow. Isn't that so good? This church in Pergamum, I love the opening bit. I love when it says, "Eh, I know where you live. It's tough. Satan has its throne. Yet you are true to my name when I was reading that, I was like, come on. Life's tough. There's lots of opposition, yet you're true to my name. And I believe that's a word for some of us here this morning. He wants to whisper that to us. I know exactly where you're at with your job, with your marriage, with illness, with stress. I know that you're holding on. God knows this morning. He knows. And He is so, so pleased with you. He is so pleased with you. But, in this passage, then comes the but, there's the warnings. Nevertheless, there's a few things against you. You're doing good at this, but this isn't so good. He speaks about the Nicolaitans in verse 15. And I just think at that point when I was reading, oh, they're missing out a bit. They're missing out. You've kind of been doing it. There's been a bit of pressure. It's in an environment where there's a storm, where life is tough. And compromises happened. You've allowed some stuff to happen which isn't good, which maybe started as a small decision, which then impacted hugely. And that goes against the citizenship thing, who we are. And that's what I see in this passage. The good stuff is great. They're kind of there. Now, it's probably part of my personality and, and who I am that I always focus on what I'm not doing well. Is there anybody else like that here? Yeah, Always focused on what we're not doing well and getting better. But when I read this passage, my initial reaction was sad because I think of what's being missed. I think of what's being missed in Pergamum. The opportunity, what God wants to do with the missing parts. If they held on to citizenship. And I reflect on my own life as well. I reflect on where we are at right now. We're doing okay at this leading a church thing, Mary and I. It's, it's, it's okay. It's, you know, God's doing amazing things. But at times we're compromising on our prayer lives. At times we're compromising on what we know God has called us to do with the poor in this city. At times we are compromising with how we are with our families. We're forgetting who we really are and what that really means. Checking it's the right page. I think it is. Yeah, here we go. And I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be a kind of Jesus follower. Merritt Malloy says compromise is simply changing the question to fit the answer. And I'm living in this thing at the moment, this season of this fresh adventure of planting a church, of lots of new things, of exciting things, of us doing more stuff come the autumn time. And I know God is doing amazing stuff, but areas can be compromised in our walks. And what I'm learning is that it's often in the change that God highlights chinks in the armor. It's often when we push into the new, and we, we stop the, the, the routine perhaps, or go, we're going to pursue something new. It's like, oh, oh, what's that? Oh, that's not too great. God just shows a little chink in the armor. But this passage is also about a new start to bring it to God. This passage brings hope. In verse 16, it speaks about a chance to repent, to say sorry, to bring whatever is getting in the way. God is not a God of grudges. He's not a God of tallying up where we've went wrong. He's not a God of holding it against us He loves us and he pours out grace time and time again. His mercies are new every day. So can I urge us to not be the kind of of Christians, kind of living for him, kind of listening, kind of following, kind of going on the adventure, kind of believing. And there's four ways that we can eh, forget our place when storms come that I just very, very quickly want to rattle through. Firstly, difficulty. I want to ask us, how do we journey through difficulties in life, the pressures in life? What is it like when life is tough, when a storm comes our way? What do we drop? What do we slip into? How do we relieve the pressure? What do we turn to? Where do we find comfort? Are we holding on to who we really are? I remember being in the bank uh, many years ago when I worked as a financial advisor and being in really several awkward, difficult positions in terms of having decisions to act uh, with integrity. So there was stuff going on that I knew wasn't right to do some dodgy deals perhaps or just put this application through, but I didn't. And although I didn't make target and I had a few people who were a little bit angry with me, in those instances I'd done the right thing. And maybe we're thinking it'll make my life easier at work if I make this decision, although it isn't right. Or it'll be easier if I don't do anything about that injustice that I I witnessed. When I think of pressures and hardships, I, I automatically, when I look at God's Word, I think of Paul. I think of Paul. And a follower of Jesus who went through immense opposition, immense hardships, but he remembered his citizenship. he, he didn't never let go of that piece of the ship. Uh, I love these verses in Second Corinthians 4 when Paul says this. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed; perplexed, but not in despair; persecuted, but not abandoned; struck down, but not destroyed we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And this is the this is gold. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I love Paul's words there. This is how he felt. He he is at the point of pressure. There are storms at every side but he did not compromise. He held on to that piece of citizenship. He did not lose heart. He fixed his eyes on Jesus. He knew the Father. He spent time with the Father. He was filled up. Out here, circumstances were not so good, but he wasn't kind of following. In in difficulty, he had an eternal perspective, which was sunk deep into his heart and into his being. He played the long game. He knew where he was headed. How many of us need to be reminded of that this morning? So we have difficulty. Then we have delay. I'm I'm awful bad at saying I'll sort it later. Don't know about you guys, but uh, Mario maybe come through. Oh, the drawers fixed, uh, broken and strewn. Oh, I'll sort it. Two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. And uh, yeah, I need to get better at that. I'm just realising that. Sorry, love. <laughs> <laughs> And you can imagine with the church in Pergamum, the Nicolaitans arrive opposing, completely in opposition to to the gospel, of the way of doing things, and actually, perhaps there was a bit of delay. Perhaps there was a, a bit of delay of leaving them to it, and then their influence has grown. What are we delaying on that we know we need to bring to Jesus? And we're saying, I'll sort it later. Then we have disconnection. How are we intentionally, how how are we doing life with one another? Asking us the questions that we hate to be asked. Have we we got this? It's okay, I've got this. Have we got that kind of attitude? I'm quite independent uh, when it comes to needing things fixed. The drawer, for example, which I haven't done yet. But I'll try to sort a solution myself. YouTube is fantastic for that. You know, anything you need done in the house, you just search YouTube. And uh, with varying degrees of success, I I managed to give it a good shot. You know, we can go to YouTube for how to sort a drawer, but we can't go to YouTube to give us a shake and tell us to wisen up. What, What on earth are you doing there? Why have you decided to do that? Just explain where you're headed with that. We need people around us who are for us and fight for us, who shake us up when we try to disconnect and go it alone. And in defense, how are we protecting ourselves against self-justification? Maybe some of us here, we justify the little slip-ups, the little areas of compromise, but I do so much. When When our sin is exposed, when the Holy Spirit maybe uproots something that isn't too great, we go one or two ways. We either go to the cross uh, for forgiveness or we go to self-justification. We maybe say, I'm doing all these great things. I'm giving hours to the church. A little watch of this won't, won't matter. Or a little another glass of wine. Oh, well, I'm a good person. It's been a long week. It's been stressful. Or it's a tiny thing in comparison. It's doing no harm in the grand scale of things. Nobody will know. And for some of us, that's a, a very real stumble. And the Lord this morning wants to meet us in that, to bring it into the light. We're speaking about, at the very beginning we said, "Where the Spirit of the Lord is there, is freedom. I believe that that's an exciting thing if God is uprooting stuff and there's freedom in this place this morning. Imagine not needing to carry that anymore. You know, when it comes to compromise, when it comes to remember where we're headed, when it comes to citizenship... We often speak about wanting more of God. More of God would help me deal with compromise. And we love as a culture the more. You know, like I, I, when listening to music, I love when you listen to a song and it finishes and you leave it on and then there's a little bit more. Do you, ever, ever, you remember songs like that? There's like a hidden track or something and there's a little bit more to come. Or were you at the cinema, and you see everyone else leaving and they, I'm just going to wait five minutes. There might be a, a, little, a little clip that teases the sequel maybe or tells me what's happening next. So I'm one of those people. Let's just sit. They don't have an idea what they're missing. <laughs> or maybe it's when Joshua's speaking about his day and I, I think he's finished, our little four-year-old boy, and then you just sit for a wee while and be quiet and then just more gold comes out of his mouth and I'm just like, oh, so good. There's more to his story. You know, maybe the more that we speak about this morning isn't more of God, because He is here right now in His fullness. His Spirit was poured out fully. Jesus gave His all in death for us. But actually, maybe it's about us bringing more to God. We've looked at compromise, and if God wants more of us, we should look at, you know, what areas of our lives are we kind of doing it? In our life, our actions, our decisions, our dreams, where are we giving away pieces of our lives? that are to be given to him. Maybe the more is more obedience. Maybe the more is more honesty. Maybe the more is more repentance, more forgiveness, more action, more mess, more boldness, more faith-filled adventures, more risks, more real. This is a place where we're more real, more surrender. Just to close, I want to share a story. In 1660, England's experiment as a republic came to abrupt end with the return of the monarchist rule under Charles II. With this change, religious freedom also ended, and Anglicanism was once again designated as the official state religion. It became illegal to conduct church services outside the Church of England, and unlicensed individuals were forbidden from addressing a religious gathering. With these new laws, John Bunyan, was arrested for preaching without a license. His growing popularity, though, it prompted the judge to seek some sort of compromise. Bunyan was immediately released only if he promised not to preach again. The judge's leniency, I can't speak this morning, was met with the reply, if you release me today, I shall preach tomorrow. Three times in his life, John Bunyan was arrested, convicted, and jailed for preaching without a license. In the end he spent over 12 years in prison. At any time during those years he could have secured his freedom by simply promising not to preach. But Bunyan knew God's calling on his life and so he adamantly refused to compromise his convictions. And those prison years were certainly not wasted. It was during that time that John Bunyan wrote the book Pilgrim's Progress. Its immediate success and ongoing popularity has made it a Christian classic, the second most read book in English literature next to the Bible. Wow. When storms come, and they will, and maybe some of us are right in the belly of a storm just now. Is that the right phrase? Belly, yeah. Are right in the thick of a storm just now. We must remember this piece called Citizenship. We are citizens of heaven. Beware of compromise. What areas of our life are we kind of of doing it? Let's push in more in the battles. Remember who we have fighting for us. Let's stand.